Digital Marketing Radio, episode 138. How to grow your business by being a guest on other people's platforms. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by Aweber. Build your email list, engage your subscribers, do email the right way. I've arranged a special deal for all digital marketing radio listeners, and that's a 60-day free trial with the email marketing software provider I use, Aweber. Lock in your 60-day free trial, plus view a video that I've recorded on the three reasons why I use their service at aweber.com slash DMR. So just go to aweber.com slash DMR to get started today. The Big Interview with David Bain. I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the previous episodes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Now, today I'm joined by someone who walked away from her global marketing strategy role at Microsoft in 2012 to help entrepreneurs and small business owners tame their marketing monsters and design results-based strategies that actually work. Welcome to DMR, Michelle Evans. Thank you so much for having me, David. Thank you for coming along here. And um, I'm glad we could get all our technical challenges resolved just before we started. So um, it's great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Absolutely. Uh, Well, you can um, find Michelle over at michellelevans.com. So, uh, Michelle, no regrets about walking away from Microsoft? No, you know... um Before I left my job, I actually had been thinking about being an entrepreneur for years, but I had these golden handcuffs on that made it difficult. So it just, it took like that last straw to get me to just say, you know what? I need to just go do what I really want to do and stop staying here. And that was to work with, um, was it smaller businesses rather than actually big conglomerates? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Microsoft was my last corporate job. But before that, I worked at a dot com and I worked in banking prior to that. And I just wanted to get back to that more grassroots effort. I really think that marketing today is incredible for people who are either solopreneurs or small businesses or people who want to lead with themselves. Because, uh, you know, there's tools like what we're on right now where you can literally get your message out to hundreds or thousands of people quickly and easily and for free. You don't need these huge budgets that you needed just even a couple years ago, honestly. It's it's incredible and it's a little yeah. bit frightening at the same time, I suppose, as well. <laughs> well, uh, one of the marketing methods that you, you're finding to be particularly successful at the moment is what you call guesting. So yes. what do you mean by that? Well, guesting is a full-on made-up word. Um, you got to love marketing where you can do that. But for me, it's really being a guest on other people's platforms. So that's like what we're doing now. Mm. Um, you know, you have a great audience. And um, so I get to come and share and be a guest. It could be guest speaking. It could be guest blogging. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do to get in front of other people. But when I first started, the only thing I really heard very much about was guest blogging. And um, so I like to get the word out that there's more than one way to be a guest and there's more than one way to get your message out there. So what type of guesting is working particularly well at the moment? I mean, obviously, we're recording a podcast at the moment. Is that the most effective form of guesting at the moment? You know, um, that's a good question. It kind of depends on who the person is. So for me, I love guest podcasting. It's fun to show up and to talk with somebody and to share you know, some tips and inside 
tricks, but some people aren't as comfortable with this. So maybe guest blogging would be better where they can think about what their message is and write it out. Um, and then other people thrive on the energy of a room. And so they like to do speaking. Um, and I like speaking too, but guest podcasting, they're happening all the time. I mean, people like you are doing hundreds of episodes, you know, month in and month out, they're going on. And so it's easy to find places where you can get out there and share your message. So what if someone's just started up a business and they haven't really got um, a track record in social media and no Mm -hmm. one's really heard of them? Is it reasonable to expect someone to have them on as a guest or do they have to actually build their profile first of all before trying to do that? You know, um, I would say that you probably wouldn't want to shoot for the biggest shows, but there are, you know, people who are just getting their podcast going too. Um, And if you are just getting into your business, I would imagine that you're bringing some expertise with you that you wouldn't just, you know, pick something that you didn't know anything about to start a business on. So I would take that prior experience and parlay it into, this is how I can really help your audience and the specific tips that I can uh, bring to the table that can um, help them grow as well. Okay. I'd be interested in actually hearing about your approach in terms of actually how you reach out to people, um, what kind of things you say. So maybe starting with a blog, first of all, what would be the best way of actually giving yourself the best opportunity to actually get that guest posting opportunity? Uh, for a guest blog, you know, it, it depends on the blog. I just, um, I've gotten a number of my clients under the Huffington Post and I decided to just go ahead and try for myself as well because some people were getting good results and some weren't. And so I've gotten a couple articles on there and really it was just taking a look at what the conversations that were happening there were and submitting something and saying, I have something to say about this. Um, and so I had two published in the last couple of weeks and it really just took reaching out and saying, look, you have these three articles. I have a slightly different opinion and here's what it is. I'd like to write an article for you. And they said, yeah. Wonderful. Um, yeah. And I've had a number of those happen where either I'm commenting on people's blog posts and saying, hey, you know, have you ever thought about it like this? So it's really being okay with um, making your voice heard and being slightly different than what the conversations are, where you're not just agreeing with what everybody else is saying. And the Huffington Post is obviously quite a recognisable brand. Did you find that um, you got a noticeable spike in traffic actually after getting that article article published? You know, that's why I wanted to do it for myself because I had some clients who've had big jumps Mm. and I've had some clients where it's total crickets. (laughs) You wouldn't have even known they had a guest blog post and I wanted to see what was the difference there. And so um, I did two different articles, one with a call to action to my private Facebook group that's free and one with a call to action to my opt-in. And um, they both actually worked really well, but the one to my opt-in worked better. And so I saw a huge bump in numbers. In fact, in just like a week and a half, maybe a little less than that, I had uh, over 300 opt-ins. So that's a good amount of new people coming onto my list from one blog post. And honestly, especially on the Huffington Post, it doesn't have to be new content. It can be content that you're repurposing from your own blog or, you know, from other stuff that you've done. They're totally fine with that. Wow. So it doesn't even take any extra effort. (laughs) I would think um, from an SEO perspective, they would want original content, but that's not the case. No, They don't care. They're so huge mm. that they don't care. 
Wow, that's incredible. Because yeah. I'm aware of uh, newspaper sites in the UK um, who there there is an opportunity to actually get articles published in certain sections of them, but um, all sections aren't the same. And it is possible to get published maybe fairly easy in a section that has the name, has the domain name, but doesn't get much traffic at all. So um, it's it's good to hear that you're getting three, 300 opt-ins because that's a, a, a decent return certainly as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if someone was, was searching for guest posting opportunities, is Google the, the best place to turn to and just search for your field guest posting? Is, is, is that how someone would actually go about finding the opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I like Google for sure. It's a good place to start. Um, you know, there's all top, there's, you know, some other places that you can go to see kind of what the conversations are that people are having. And, um, and another thing to do too, is to be a part of Facebook groups and see when people say, Hey, I just got a guest post published here, or I'm looking for guest posts. That's another great way to, you know, if somebody got published in a place that you want to get published, just reach out to them and say, Hey, congratulations. How'd you get in? <laughs> Any insider tips? You know, that's a really good way to do it too. Okay. And, um, is it a similar kind of approach with podcasts as well? Do you reach out to people directly or do you, do you ask for a recommendation from someone who maybe knows the podcaster? Yeah, I think it depends on how uh, large of an audience the podcaster has. So I had my own podcast for about 18 months or so. And um, so I was a part of a lot of communities and got to see kind of the behind the scenes conversations. I had people pitch to me to be on my podcast, you know, so I was a lot more comfortable and familiar in that space. And I started with people that I had uh, relationships with and then just expanded out from there, just reaching out. Like you and I didn't know each other and I just reached out and said, hey, here's what I'd like to talk about with your audience. Are you interested? Um, and I don't know what your process is for approving people, but you know, I said, here's a whole bunch of places where I've already been featured. And you, know, you can check this out um, if you'd like to know a little bit more about me. Yes, I mean, that certainly helps. I like hearing someone's voice uh, beforehand as well to hear that they have actually been on other shows in the, uh, previously and that they've suggested a topic that is relevant to the audience and that they've perhaps listened to the show beforehand as well. Oh, for sure. You, yeah. you get you get people that reach out to you. I mean, to, to begin with, um, obviously I had to do a lot of outreach in terms of actually trying to get guests for the show. But um, I have found that recently I've had quite a few people approaching me and I'm almost at the stage where I've got to think, okay, um, I've got to make sure that I don't have people on here who just want to promote something rather than actually share something of value to my audience. I mean, have you got any suggestions and how I deal with that and how I actually whittle through people to make sure that I get the valuable people on there? Well, I think that what you said about um, listening to the show before you pitch, I mean, you don't have to listen to 25 shows before you pitch, but you need to get a feel for, do I think that I could actually have a good conversation with this podcast host? Um, do I think that I have something relevant to offer? Um, now, when people were pitching me and it was obvious that they hadn't listened to the show, I just say, you know, thanks for your pitch. I'm not accepting people right now. Yeah. Um, because honestly, if you don't take the time to know what the show is about and what the audience is looking for, then I don't want to have you on because you're going to not be relevant. And like you, I had people come on that simply wanted to pitch, um, 
I remember one person in particular, and I wasn't as brave as you doing live casting while I was recording. I never released the the um, episode because she just wouldn't get off her pitching platform. And I was like, look, this is, this yeah. is not a free advertisement for you. You need to offer something that's valuable. Absolutely. It's, um, but you improve as you go along. I mean, to begin with, obviously, I started doing pre-recorded just audio podcasts, moved on to actually doing pre-recorded um, video podcasts. Um, and now I'm actually doing the, the live broadcast of the recording at the same time, but also releasing it as an audio podcast after afterwards as well. And sometimes it does require a little bit of editing or it's good practice just to edit it to be as good uh, an episode as possible um, for the audio version um, afterwards. But it's challenging, you know, to um, try and juggle too much at the same time. But um, I, th- I think the secret is just to um, do it by uh, incremental improvements and um, you'll get there certainly as, as, as well. But um, in terms of actually um, a business model for what you're trying to do um, with regards to guesting, you, you mentioned that you'd actually stopped your own podcast. Is it, is it more effective from a business perspective to be appearing on other people's podcasts and, and guest blogging rather than actually running your own show, do you think? Um, well, it kind of depends on what what it is that you're selling and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so my podcast that I had, I loved it, but it was really focused on people who were in a corporate job and wanted to leave to start their own business. And I've evolved my offering since then. So that's not where I'm focused on building my business, which is why I stopped that podcast. But right. I think that I'll start a new one because I really enjoy it. I enjoy the medium. And I don't know about you, but you know, I would get great questions. I would get great feedback from people about how you know a specific episode really helped them. And that is really gratifying as you're out there doing your work kind of on your own sometimes and just knowing that, you know, this half hour or whatever that you took can really have an impact on somebody else is, is amazing. So I'll probably have a new one in the next five, six months or so. I look forward to hearing it. (laughs) Thank you. Maybe I'll have you as a guest, although I don't think I'd juggle everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd, you'd, you'd start off juggling two things and then uh, end up yeah. juggling eight things uh, in time. <laughs> the lovely thing about recording it live, of course, is you can get live questions as well. And um, that Jacob Aaron um, says, Google changed their algorithm. Duplicate content's not necessarily bad. That obviously related to our conversation about the Huffington Post. And um, that that's certainly a good thing as long as, you know, it, it's all about or it's moving towards user experience now um seo and if you you can create great user experience on your site then if you're publishing content that is of value and relevant to the user then the fact that it's been published elsewhere needn't necessarily detract from seo score i suppose you know um you're not going to be publishing all repeat content on on the huffington post so if some of it is then i guess it it shouldn't theoretically be 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 a problem um, is this SEO something that you keep a, an eye on at all, Michelle? You know, it's definitely something that's important to me, but it's not a leader for me. I prefer to lead with valuable content that's answering questions that help my audience or, you know, that really adds to the conversation that um, I'm having with people. And, you know, I'll find a key term so that people can find it, but it's not like I don't sit down and say, ooh, these are trending topics. This is what I'm going to be all about. Instead, I lead with this is what I'm all about. How can I make sure that people can find it if that's what they're interested in? 
final question in relation to um, this particular subject, obviously, the, the in the first half of the show. Um, in terms of call to action, what is the most effective um, call to action that you try and leave people with to actually make it worthwhile from a business perspective? So um, when I have a guest blog, for example, I will have specific opt-ins that go with that article. So I have probably 20 different opt-ins, maybe more than that. So about the different topics that I want to talk about. So I'll put the, the right call to action in those guest blogs. When I'm, uh, you know, somewhere else, I'll decide, is it my Facebook group that I want to lead with? Is it uh, my main opt-in that I'm leading with right now? Which which place is it that I want people to go? And a lot of times, just after being on a podcast, I'll just see a huge spike in my homepage traffic. And yeah. then people can decide where they want to take it with me. That's, um, that's a nice thought, actually, the fact that... Um, you don't have to be very, very strong and definitive with what you want people to do. Um, if you are there providing great value content, people are naturally going to navigate to you anyway. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if I was to be like, come see this, come get this, I think I'd probably alienate a lot of people or yeah. you know, lose a lot of opportunity where people are like, yeah, that's not really what I'm about. But if they go check out another piece, they might say, oh, I didn't know that she did this too. So that's just my approach. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that Michelle couldn't live without. But first of all, a big thank you to Keith Keller for allowing me to guest on his blab last night. Keith was um, high in his praise for the Christmas special uh, 2016 prediction show that we did for Digital Marketing Radio just um, a month ago at the point of this recording. Um, And Keith was actually also a guest on Digital Marketing Radio episode 86. Um, So he's an expert in Twitter marketing and you should definitely check that one out. So thanks again, Keith. But um, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. That focuses more on Michelle's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business, Michelle, that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Yeah. Well, one of them is Basecamp, which isn't a marketing software, but it does help me keep track of all the moving pieces that are going on in my business. So it's a project management software. Sure. People aren't for familiar with that. Um, another one is Less Annoying CRM, which is how I continue conversations with people. So if I've had a, a conversation and I want to follow up, I put them in that CRM system. Sorry, it's, it's called Less Annoying CRM. <laughs> Okay, it is I, I a terrible name, but okay. it, it works really well. And it's only $10 a month in the US. So it's not very much at all. Um, the third one is really an app. Well, the third and fourth are really apps. So one is Typorama. And the second one is Legend. And I use those for social media. Have you used them? I don't believe I have, no. So I do a ton on social media and I was spending a lot of money and a, wasting a lot of time waiting for graphics to come back. Okay. And sometimes I just needed something quick. And um, Typorama, I mean, I, I don't get paid for this. It's like a $2 app, but <laughs> Typorama lets you make them like this. And they have tons of uh, photos and stuff in there. And so, you know, in 30 seconds, you can have something ready for Twitter or for Facebook or whatever. Um, So it really saves a lot of time for me. Uh, And Legend lets you make animated GIFs. So if you want to, you know, put something like on Twitter that stands out. And again, it it was like a $1 or $2 app. It's super easy to use. Uh, And it helps with 
being um, noticed. And then the the last one that I really couldn't live without is also an app and it's called Rev Recorder. And I do a lot of my blogging by just speaking it into my phone and then having it um, typed out. Transcribed, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it speeds things up and I can do it when I'm in the car or whatever. I don't have to be sitting at my computer. Wow. Okay. Um, a lot of software tips there. Um, but I will still <laughs> ask another related question and a slightly more challenging question. What piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? <laughs> Actually, it's really strange that you asked me that because I have... I used a different webinar software for years and years and years, and I am just does it, does it begin with a G? Uh, G? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be unnamed. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. it does begin with a G. Um, and I was getting a little frustrated with some of the constraints of that system, and so I am going to be trying a new um, a new service, and I've checked out a couple. And I'm hopeful that uh, Webinar Jam is going to be my new BFF. Okay. But we'll see. I've heard so, uh, good things and bad things. Have you Have you actually made the, the decision and purchased it? You have. I have. Okay, yeah. interesting. So I haven't used it yet. I'm probably going to be doing my first one in the next week or two. And um, I'm fingers crossed, hoping it works well. Do okay. you use it? I actually use a piece of software called Easy Webinar. Oh, okay. And that's yep. one, one of the competitors to Webinar Jam. Um, yeah. I, 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 I use it fairly often. I probably will use it even more in the future. Um, the thing is, um, obviously, I'm recording this podcast on Blab now. For about 20 episodes or so, I was recording on Google Hangouts, and Google Hangouts powers these sorts of software as well. And you can use that to embed within webinar jam or or easy webinar so i guess it depends on you know precisely what you're trying to do but yeah. webinars are certainly you know very important for people to be aware of and, and to integrate into their marketing i think and obviously you think the same as well now you know i really do it's a great way to go deeper on a specific topic it's a great way to integrate with people. One of the things that I was excited about with Webinar Jam is that you can do this where they can see you and then you can go to your slides as well. And that was a constraint that the old time competitor didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Software has to keep on evolving. Otherwise it, yeah. it falls behind very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. But um, you've... Um, offered a lot of great resources there. So I will crawl through them and I will um, include links to all of them in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com along with this um, podcast episode. But uh, moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned, I came from a big corporate marketing job and... I think intellectually I knew that marketing myself would be different, but I don't think that I had emotionally <laughs> embraced how different that would be. And when I first left my job, I was doing career coaching, which is totally different than what I do now, um, really based on that environment that I was in. And I thought, mm, I've been there. I've had career coaches. I know what I'm going to do here. So I didn't bother to talk to anybody or... <laughs> run my ideas past anybody. I just launched to a big fat 
zero. So if <laughs> if I were to go back, I would be, you know, less full of myself and more humble in talking to people and finding an actual need that I could fill instead of just like trying to think my way into the perfect business. I think it's the kind of mistake that just about everyone makes. They, they, they build things first, then launch, and then wonder, what happened? Why didn't um, anyone actually pay attention to what I did? Yeah, nobody paid attention. So if that's you, please stop. It's not going to work. <laughs> I think the challenge with that is, um, you know, people do what they feel is right rather than actually doing what they're told to do. And even if you actually tell someone loads of times, um, they'll feel themselves, no, I want to build this product, you know, and they, they spend hours and probably months actually getting things right before launching, before approaching that target lo- uh, audience. But um, having said that, tools like like this, like Lab, like um, webinars, give people an opportunity to actually talk to their prospects before going down that route. So, so hopefully that's not going to be so much of an issue in the future. Yeah. And I think uh, not just tools like this, but also, you know, Facebook groups are one of my favorite places to go because there's a group for just about anything and people are constantly posting questions or rants or whatever. And that is a really, really rich place to do some research fast. Like in an hour, you could probably find, you know, two or three things that you could build something around. Great tip. Great tip. Okay, moving on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick Mm. questions. Just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? Yes. (laughs) Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Mm. Hmm. Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Mm, one-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Uh, website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Mm, that one would be both. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. Yay! That was a little bit too easy for you, but um, it's funny, actually. Um, most people say email subscriber um, for number nine um, when I said social s- subscriber or email subscriber. So what made you say both for that one? Why, why are both so important? So I think it is really important to get people onto your own platform, on your own email list, of course, because then you own it and you don't have to worry about somebody else Uh, you know, owning your connections. But I also find that um, getting to know somebody on the social platforms can take you to a whole different level in terms of finding clients, finding potential partners, finding affiliates, finding other opportunities. Um, Social just opens up the world a lot, but I wouldn't want to only have subscribers there. I would want them on my own platform too. Okay, build your own platform, but um, build relationships beforehand so you can funnel them back to actually what you're doing on your own platform. Yeah, or simultaneously. I know in my Facebook group, a lot of the people in there, are, almost all of them are on my email list as well, but we have much deeper conversations than we would with just sort of my email blast that go out and maybe they might respond. But within the group, they'll be asking questions, we'll have ongoing dialogue. It's, it's a different way of really connecting with people. 
And do you segment your email list as well and deliver different messages to different people? Um, I, yes, for the most part. I mean, sometimes I have kind of a broad uh, announcement kind of email that I do. But yes, I do segment based on interactions and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would get a kick-ass copywriter. <laughs> I would measure success by going through and working on a couple of things on my website that I know needs some, some more love and uh, a new autoresponder series that I know a good copywriter would help me kill. Wow. And would that copywriter be based with you in your office or would you actually outsource? No. No. Without I can work with, as long as they can speak and read and write English. I do not care where they are. <laughs> so writing's not your <laughs> your first You know, love. I can't. No, I can absolutely do writing for you. For okay. me, it's I mean, and I know a lot of people come up with this, but for me, I sit down and it's like, uh, I know, I don't know, just all sorts of weird stories about myself. And so sometimes I find it hard to write as effectively as I mm. know that I could because I don't have good perspective on myself. I can write if I have to write, but I don't absolutely love it. And I, I love podcasting. So that's my main method of producing content. As long as if you actually choose one way and be consistent at it, I guess that's okay, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And make sure that it's my voice. Like I would want a good copywriter who could match my voice and not, you know, make me sound like somebody else. My number one takeaway. Well, Michelle, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? Yeah, I think the number one step is to figure out what guesting platform is the right one for you and start making those connections and getting those opportunities to get out and connect with the host, with the audience, and really sharing what you have to share in your message. And not have any end in mind at all. Just make those connections for the sake of building relationships. And, you know, something might happen because of it in the future, but it's not necessarily a short-term game you're, you're looking for. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Be in it for the long term. Wonderful. Well, um, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? You know, my digital home is michellelevans.com. That's really the best way. I, I also have a Facebook group, like I told you, totally free. And it's really where we talk about marketing stuff. It's called Tame the Marketing Monster. Wonderful. So uh, thanks to Michelle and thanks dear listener too. If you enjoyed what Michelle shared today, here's how you can help. Go to your friend's iPhone, go to the podcast app and search for Digital Marketing Radio. Click on the show and hit the subscribe button and make them listen too. Finally, I'm also hosting another live show every Friday called This Week in Organic. Head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more about that. But that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios and thank you again for joining me, Michelle. Great episode. Thanks. <laughs>